Tuesday morning blitz for NFL Week 2. And we thought Week 1 was exciting, Kale. I think Week 2, we had comments in our friend group that maybe this was just the best Sunday of football. Monday was kind of a couple snuff films, which we'll get into, but Sunday was excellent, Kale. We were recording this late Monday night, 11 o'clock, but still buzzing off yesterday's action. We'll talk about some of the things that stood out, but just overall reflections on the day that it was. I I think I was the one that said it, but this might be this might be one of the best weeks of football in recent memory. Kicking it off Thursday with, by the way, just a complete reinvention of how we watch football in the Amazon broadcast. True. Uh, the you know the next gen stats integrations, the all twenty two editions. I love the booth. Uh, just really really fantastic stuff, and we got a great game for a great unit uniform game for it uh and then multiple multiple 20 point upsets a uh an upset that came down to the last 90 seconds Ooh, darius slays limping sorry we are recording this in the fourth quarter of the eagles game and i may get distracted even though this is a blowout i mean it was we almost had a 28 three uh falcons comeback as well uh, the Houston Texans entered the chat for a little bit. This was <laughs> this was a special, special day. I, like, I, I think we said week one, or I said week one, that we got, like, our season's fill of content. We're getting, like, genuinely great stuff every week. Like, the Broncos fans doing the countdown for the play clock. Like, oh, yeah. We so, were going to get to that, too. Don't we, you worry. We've got, we've got so much to talk about. There's so many good bits, but, like, this is a it's a great start to the season. Yeah, and I just keep coming back to that that little anecdote that we had last week where it's like it's not just the great performances that we remember. It's all these little moments. It's it is those Broncos fans yelling. It's the crazy celebrations. It's Jalen Hurts like crossing his arms and looking mean in front of the camera after he starts the game 10 for 10. It's all these little things that help you remember a football season, not just the stats. But we've got plenty of stats to talk about tonight as well. Kicking things off with the things we learned this week, I just wanted to start with, you know, week two is kind of this crazy leveling out period, but there's some things that are still not necessarily leveling out from where the preseason projections were at. And let's talk about some things that we might believe in. So we've got the Giants sitting at 2-0. We've got the Jaguars, one and one, but number two overall in DVOA. And we've got the Detroit Lions tied for the most overall points in the NFL with those Kansas City Chiefs. So I want to ask you, first of all, of those three teams, of those three trends, I mean, which one do you buy into the most? Which unexpected NFL early season phenomenon do we think has the best chance to continue? It's It's got to be Detroit. And this isn't just because of the precedent of this podcast. One of the things I was most impressed about in the Washington-Detroit game, Dan Campbell has not had many leads in football. Has not had many large leads in football, for that matter. The thing that most pleasantly surprised me about that game is that he kept his foot on the gas. 
the commanders like definitely made it a more interesting game than it probably should have it yeah it finished it was a nine point game it got close to one score there was some back and forth toward the end but like Campbell's still throwing for it Camp like Campbell's still throwing while up Campbell's still going for fourth downs that's aggression now I think the New York Giants benefited a lot from schedule uh you know getting getting a weak Titans team that we just watched uh, get truly, I I didn't know they were allowed to show them telling. <laughs> uh, between that and then watching them take on the Panthers, they got a good draw. We'll see how they handle the Cooper Rush Cowboys next week. They could be an historic precedent for one of the worst three and O teams by DVOA standards. Uh, and the Jaguars number two. In total DVOA, it's it feels fluky, but I'm gonna get into it uh, tomorrow in my any given Sunday piece. But that was one of the most historically unprecedented disparities, like a real beatdown. It's one. It's the fourth best game by DVOA in Jaguars history. And the Colts haven't had an offensive performance that bad in 30 years by DVOA standards. Uh, you literally have to look all the way back to 1992 to find something uh, that beats it. it. Like, that is historically bad press. So, you know, I think something's got the benefit of scheduling. I think something's got the benefit of just we'll get into the Colts. We'll 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 get into the Colts. But I think like in terms of actual schematics, actual skill set, actual decision making, things that you can like ascribe as evidence, things that you can like directly correlate to something, it's gotta be Detroit. No, Detroit has been like I I, I point scored is not a very advanced metric, but it is also the metric by which they measure football games. And Detroit has proven themselves to be extremely adequate at putting points on the board. Not only that, but they've, you know, all of a sudden they have weapons left and right. Amon Ross St. Brown is just a top five, top three receiver in the league all of a sudden. I mean, we kind of believe this about him to begin with, the sun god. But, I mean, eight straight games of eight-plus receptions is just dumb stuff. Like legitimately crazy for a guy that was not, you know, college football fans seem to know this guy was the real deal, like deep diehard people who were watching bad USC teams. But I don't think people that were watching Clay Helton, people that were watching Clay Helton fumble, Amon Rossane Brown, Michael Pittman, and Drake London. Just how? How do you not win in the Pac 12 with that? I don't understand. The world may never know. No, but. I think, I mean, even Josh Reynolds is making plays. DeAndre Swift looks terrifying coming out of the backfield. Apparently, he's discovered that if you fall down, it can be as effective as any juke in the game. Uh, And they still have Jamison Williams coming back at some point. Just, oh, by the way, you know, one of these. Yeah, maybe the best receiver receiver in this class. Yeah, which has been a great class so far, and everyone's making an impact already. So I, I can't wait to see what their offense looks like at full strength. And, hey. Just a little teaser here. We might have something for Jared Goff later in the show. Just maybe, maybe a little something, something. 
Uh, I don't, we're going a little bit out of order here, but uh, first of all, let's just get your Colts stuff out of the way, Kale, because I'm I, I'm dismayed, but I don't think I can really begin to touch on your level of anger about what this football team is. So have at it. Like what? Anger's, what are we anger's watching? the wrong. Anger's the wrong word, Jackson. <laughs> I am. I'm. I'm elated with how the uh, AFC South has panned out. Oh my gosh. Uh, the Texans look competitive. Uh, the Jaguars. I mean. It didn't take long for uh, it to just be brutally obvious that throwing over a hundred million in spending, as well as firing, maybe the worst tenured NFL coach ever. Uh, it didn't take long to show that. Yeah, when you have the number one overall pick at quarterback, uh, who was supposed to be a generational talent, and you put things around him, uh, it goes well. Uh, also, uh, side note: we're not going to talk about him for the rest of this pod, maybe. Uh, oh, no, we will because I'm going to get back to him. Uh, the Derrick Henry uh, had, what, 12 carries for th- 25 yards tonight, 35 yards? <laughs> Not much. He's at 85 yards in two games. I think he's averaging like – he's definitely averaging less than three a carry. Uh, I'm – the AFC South is my wheelhouse now. Uh, the one thing I've gotten wrong, what, what happened to the Colts? The Colts were supposed to I, – I understand Shaq Leonard's not playing. I get that. Shaq Leonard, by far their best defensive player. It's going to make a difference in games like this. That being said. You have 12 Shaq Leonard's out there and still not score points. I, I don't know what's happening. So, Jonathan Taylor, uh, milk cart. No idea where this guy's been. He's been pretty MIA. You know, had a had a you know fine performance week one, but but a very pedestrian nine attempts, fifty four yards. They're just not running him, not using him. He got six touches in in the game against the Jaguars. I get they're down, but still, uh, Michael Pittman. Uh, why did Michael Pittman play? I think he was a healthy scratch. Uh, I think there was some. Oh no, he wasn't. Now Colts are optimistic Michael Pittman will play this week. Uh, Matt Stafford's a pumpkin, man. I mean, that is, that is – Matty Ice is melting. Uh, it's really bad. The offensive line doesn't look good. Ryan threw, I think, th- yeah, three interceptions, sacks five times against the Jacksonville Jaguars uh, in one of their best defensive performances of the franchise's – History. Yeah, kind of a nasty defense kill. Don't it's want to kind of a na- kind of, they'll 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 you know water finds its level. True. They don't have the they don't have the horses to keep this up. But I do th- I do you know like the promise of the offense. That being said, I don't I don't know what's happening. You have two division opponents. You tie the Houston Texans, and you the Colts have. <laughs> I, I think I here's the thing. The the Jaguars haven't shut a team out in six or seven years. And the last time the Colts were shut out, it was to the Jaguars. I don't know if there's some kryptonite. I don't know what's going on. It's a house of horrors for them. They can't I want, there. I want to remind you. I want to remind you, Jackson. This is 
Do you remember? Do you just off off the top of your head? It's I know it's it, you're going far back here. Do you know how last season ended for the Colts? Oh uh, yeah, it, it rings some bells. Twenty six eleven, just a choke of epic proportions with a a team that was supposed to be fixed by getting Carson Wentz out of the building at quarterback. I, I seem to recall. Okay. Uh, do you remember what the focal point of the entire offseason is for uh, multiple Colts, uh, you know, higher-ups? Uh, it was beating the Jaguars. I'm going to do some surprise Tuesday morning reading for you <laughs> uh, because I am – okay. Uh, Jim Irsay. Uh, this is from The Athletic. Uh, Richard Johnson uh, from Split Zone Duo curated all these, by the way. Uh, you can check it out. I retweeted it. It's check out at RJ underscore rights. If you're not, if you're a college football guy, listen to Split Zone Duo. It's great. Uh, this is uh, a clip from The Athletic. Jim Irsay. Fact that it wasn't even a close game. I can't even find the words to describe it. It was nothing I ever imagined. Okay, here's the next one. Uh, another quote from Irsay. No disrespect to Jacksonville, but I mean they're the worst team in the league. You play, <laughs> you play well and hard for the first quarter or so, and they're looking to go to their locker rooms and clean it out. I've never seen anything like that in my life. You say, "My God, there's something wrong here. It needs to be corrected." I think we feel like we did. I think we feel like we did. This is DeForest Buckner. We shit the bed. Excuse my language, but we shit the bed. This is Zaire Franklin. At the end of the day, it's about what we earn, and we didn't earn it. One more for you. Frank Reich, a scar is what he called this game. The last game of football his team played last winter, an effort so poor and a loss so embarrassing that his boss would fume in the coming days that it was, quote, an epic shortfall that stunned and shocked and appalled us all. Jackson, do you have all that? I think I do. And they could have just they could have just nothing was the response that they gave after nine months of talk about this game. Epic. And let's let's just go back even further here. Uh, Seven straight trips to Jacksonville for Indy coming up absolutely empty. Eight if you count the London trip a few years back. And they were favored in six of those games. The house of horrors for them. Straight. To Jacksonville home games? Yeah, home games, including one that was in London. <laughs> yeah, they haven't won in Jacksonville since 2014, Kale. I mean, Shad, first off, when Shad Khan owns the Jaguars, London is a home game. True. <laughs> that being said, 2014. Kale. <laughs> we, were, we were juniors. I guess we were technically seniors in high school, but much of 2014, we were juniors as well. And now look at us, just out here in the real world, like some chumps. That's how long it's been. Out here in the field. Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. Okay, so, uh, yeah, that's that's really all I've got for the Colts. Uh, <laughs> Not a lot of solutions you're offering here, Kale. Just a whole lot of gripes and complaints and overall lament. I mean, yeah. <laughs> this, this, is, this is, so we, we knew the Titans were going to take a step back this year. They're 0-2. 11, we all know the stat. Uh, 0-2 teams have an 11% chance of making the playoffs, whatever. We know the Titans aren't going to be great. We know that the ceiling for the Texans and Jaguars is very low. This was supposed to be the Colts' cakewalk. They are now 0-1-1. I don't, like, do you want me to come up with answers for you? 
I don't have any, Jackson. This was supposed to be your division, and you fumbled it at every opportunity. Matt Ryan is supposed to be an upgrade from Carson Wentz. I'm not going to say he looks awesome, but he looks competent in Washington. Like, I'm almost ready to say that maybe it was just the Colts' fault this entire time. I think this is going to be a real wake-up call offseason for them in the sense that they've got to blow it up, right? Like, like well, they can't possibly keep doing the retread quarterback. That's what I'm saying. They, they can't just bring in another guy, rely heavily on run game. This off, even even outside the, uh, even with Quentin Nelson at the line, like at least you've got a piece of it. But this is not the Colts line we're used to either. It's kind of just Quentin Nelson right now, uh, who you just paid and therefore don't have as much to spend on the rest of your offensive line. Yeah, but that's like at least you have the piece, right? Like, and and you know, outside of you know wide receivers, the Colts are okay at drafting. They're pretty good at drafting. But, like, at this point, you bottom out. Like, at this point, you're like, this is, you know. But are you, are you just going to hand the division to Jacksonville this year? I mean, what they, they can still absolutely win this. For my pride in my wallet, yeah, please. <laughs> uh, j- yeah, I just. I don't, I don't think Jacksonville's good, Kale. I, I know we just talked about it. I, I still think they're mediocre, you know, seven, eight win team. That's That's my. Can I, can, I give you, can I give you a side tangent Kale's Corner? This isn't really going anywhere. It's, <laughs> it's, more, it's something I'm kind of ruminating and meditating on. I, I like to consider myself a decent knower of football things. I'm not like a big scheme guy. I'm not a big X's and O's guy uh, as much as I'd like to be. That being said, there's something this year, and maybe it's just because I'm paying attention more and literally – for 14 straight days, football is all I've consumed. Uh, I really don't leave the house much anymore. It's just football. Uh, the All the bad teams are fun. Like, all the bad teams have a fun offense. Atlanta. Uh, Houston, Houston notwithstanding, just because it's Houston. And I think they're kind of also more like a defensive-led team uh, just because of Lovey. But uh, Atlanta, Chicago, Jacksonville, uh, the Jets, even Washington, the, apparently. Well, they just have an insane receiving core. I don't even think they're that bad. They're just they've got a crazy receiving core, and I love them. Uh, but that being said, like you know, all these pieces here, or all these bad teams, have one pieces and two a really fun offensive scheme to run around. In. Uh, it's really it's I don't, like I don't know if it's because the you know young offensive wonderkin era of Sean McVay spawned the idea that, oh, you need like a ton of offensive creativity to win games and not just players uh, or that scheme can elevate average to below average players. And you don't necessarily need to have everything in place to win a Super Bowl If you have a really good playbook that your team's running, whatever it's, I, I'm really thinking out loud at this point. But all the bad teams are really fun. And I think that'll carry teams like Jacksonville further than they should probably go. I like that. Kale side tangents. Kale's Bring anytime you want. Little Gosh. Kale's corner. Um, I want to transition to, I mean, we probably, we touched on it a little bit and we probably should have just done it right off the top. But 
I mean, talk about what we saw tonight because Bills Eagles was kind of a trendy Super Bowl pick, especially the Bills. Bills are just everyone's Super Bowl pick. But you watch these two teams play side by side tonight, and you start to believe it. And starting out with the Bills, they're just better than everyone else, Kale. I don't know if there's anything else we can really say about them. Can I – I want to ask you something. Where do you stand on – like, this is this, this relates to Bills, trust me. Where do you stand on the Rams right now? Are they good or – like, are we giving up on the Rams this I'm early? not giving up on the Rams, no. I, I don't think that – I mean, first of all, it was 10-10 in the second half against the Bills before they just completely fell apart. Allen Robinson caught two touchdowns this week. Yeah, they almost coughed it up, but they were still up three and a half scores against the Falcons. I'm not overly concerned about the Rams yet. Okay. That, that is a very helpful caveat. I am personally, I wrote this in the football outsiders discord. I was rarely in it tonight, but I needed to just share that one ESPN was airing a snuff film live on television to millions of people (laughs) Two, I still don't know if the bills have played anyone good. But if we consider the Rams a good team and that this is just the Bills are that much better than everyone else, I see literally three more competitive games on the Bills schedule. That's it. This is a team that is probably three weighted coin flips away from 17 or now. Like, that's how good this team is. It's so early. And and also this is the teams same. Teams lose all the time to teams they shouldn't to. I know this is this same team lost Jacksonville last year nine to six with like, Urban Meyer. Things happen all the time. I get it, but if we're like if we're just looking paper, I don't. We'll get there. We can. This can kind of transition in. They play Miami next week. Still not convinced Miami's great. I'm convinced that. They haven't found a team that's going to punish them for Tua's weaknesses yet. That being said, back to the Bills. Uh, after Miami, they have at Rams. Then they go Steelers. Steelers are washing. Uh, at Chiefs, that's a competitive game. And then I don't know if the next competitive game is the week after hosting the Packers or like five weeks later at Detroit. Because uh, that feels like a weird Campbell-y upset and like a future any given Sunday circled on my calendar kind of game. Uh, but realistically, there aren't a ton of competitive games left for this Buffalo Bills team. No, I they own Miami too, man. They they just absolutely punished that franchise ever since Josh Allen came into the building. Um, I the thing is, they're going to be favored in every game they play, possibly by at least a touchdown in most of them. But I still don't. So why, it's just why so hard? They've won their games by margins of 21 and 35? Yeah, 34. Why wouldn't you just bet every Bills against the spread until they prove you wrong? Yeah, it's probably not a bad move, um, especially considering that, like, they're, they're – the thing that I think about this Bills team is either of their units is good enough to where – you could call that team a Super Bowl contender if the other unit was average to slightly average. Yeah. Like you could say, oh, the Bills are a contender because they have this incredible defense. They have the best front seven going right now and two all pros at safety, and they're going to get Trey White back. You could also say 
if the Bills just have, you know, league average defense, they have the best offense in the league. And Josh Allen to Stephon Diggs is a cheat code. And Gabe Davis didn't even play tonight. So, like, what else, what do you want to do? They're both the best in the league. Gabe Davis didn't play at Oliver. Didn't play. What Jeff is Seth this? Didn't play. This team's still going to get Trey White back. Kale Trey White's a top three cornerback. You know, even like, you know, even Dane Jackson, who I've heard, you know, can move all his appendages, is in stable condition, probably done for the year with an injury like that. But even still, like, oh, you lose Dane Jackson in this game. No one in Tennessee is going to challenge you on that. Uh, The existing secondary that you have built in now is all uh, rookies uh, between Christian Benford and Kyrie Elam are probably your two starting safeties uh, who are both – in their own right, respectable enough to like be starting corners. And then you just get Trey White. So like there's no if you wiped out the entire, you know, starting line of Greg Rousseau, Ed Oliver, Daquan Jones, uh and even, and, and even and even do Von Miller out, uh the front four of Boogie Basham, Jordan Phillips, Tim Settle, AJ and Panessa would be mm, Definitely top half, maybe top third defensive lines in the league. Like, you talk about this team, literally their one flaw is, like, the the right side of the line is is below average. Like, what does David Questenberry do when he gets a real edge rusher that he has to defend against? Uh, Josh Allen's so mobile that it doesn't fucking matter. Sorry, I swore. I don't (laughs) – The bills are the bills break my brain. Like the bills are so good. I don't disagree with you one bit. It's terrifying. Like, what other team, what other franchise would ever have like debate over someone like Dan Questenberry? Like, in what other situation will we even be bringing up his name? Like, that's that's how good they are that we even have to invent a problem that they might have. No, what? Like, I I think it was. I forget if I was talking with Aaron Schatz about this or if it was something I heard. But like when we're when we're at Super Bowl Media Day again, not we, uh, but when when everyone's down uh, in Arizona for Super Bowl Media Day, and we're starting to talk about like matchups, how do you stop the Bills, et cetera, et cetera. It's like I don't know the right tackle is like <laughs> a little shaky. That is the one hole you can poke in this team. Oh no! That is that is you know, you're, you're sticking a needle in sheet mail. By the way, just like what if OBJ signs with this team? Then what? Like what are we talking about at this point? It's stupid. Jackson, Jackson, that would be so sick. Back to back years with rings for him. By the way, I I just want to I kind of want to make a habit on this podcast of saying the Bills are going to win a Super Bowl as often as possible, just to really. Just kind of mess with Nolan's psyche a little bit. Because I'm not even like Jinx Schminx. Like, this is the best team I've ever seen. They're so good, and there's no way they could ever lose. I completely agree. This is Goliath, which is crazy to say about the Buffalo Bills. The Bills punted for the first time all year with eight minutes left in the second quarter, and the punt gets muffed, and they end up turning it into a touchdown. That's so based. What is this? Moving on. Uh, their opponent them. next week is the Miami Dolphins. Okay, the Miami Dolphins were down 35-14 in 
late in the second half. So they just lost, right? There's nothing else to talk about. Jackson, this is one of the more than one 20-plus point comebacks this week. It was uh, the witching the witching hour at the 1 o'clock slate in back-to-back weeks has been some of the most dramatic television I've watched in a long time. It's also a lot of incompetence thrown in there. It's been it's been great moments, and then just oh by the way, teams just falling apart to the it's, brink of their existence. I mean, what are you gonna do, right? Teams are always gonna do that. You kind of have to bank on that. Excuse me, it is eleven thirty. Uh, you kind of have to bank on that. Like whatever, it's you're gonna get really incompetent moments, uh, but. I still do not know if the Dolphins are good, <laughs> despite despite that comeback. So they have an added layer that they didn't have before, and it's obvious because Tyreek Hill changes any game he plays in. Plus, Jalen Waddle's taking the leap. Plus, he was my favorite of the rookie ride rookie wide receivers last year. Wide receiver, rookie <laughs> ride. Yeah, okay, whatever. I get it. <laughs> However, uh, usually you're the one who's slurring your words. I don't. I don't know what's gotten. I just me. yawned on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> it's not even that late for me. I work until this hour every night. Something I'm. I've been voodoo mind tricked by you, but. I think to return to the Dolphins, my point being that they, I, I'm kind of with you. Like they, again, they were losing 35, 14. They were getting blown out in this game. Obviously something changed and obviously they pulled out a comeback win, the likes of which they didn't have in their bag last year. But I also, and you know, you're my football mind here. So tell me if what I'm saying just doesn't hold water, but I get the sense that, the Dolphins are a matchup team and the Ravens are a very good matchup for them from like a defensive standpoint. Cause they're a very turnover dependent, like kind of boomer bust, not a ton of speed in the secondary. Nobody that can really keep up with a guy like Tyreek Hill. They want to bully you, force fumbles, generate interceptions and just bait you into stuff. And the Dolphins did give them turnovers in the first half, but when it came down to it, when all of a sudden Hill and Waddle were unleashed, there's just nothing the Ravens have in their in their entire arsenal that can match up with that. I want to remind you that, you know, this, this Ravens team was without, during the comeback, Marlon Humphrey and, and Marcus Peters played 56 and 44 snaps defensively, respectively. That is uh, 79% and 62%. There were noticeable absences on this Ravens defense. Uh, They also did not have – this is, you know, now I'm cherry-picking at this point. Uh, Not cherry-picking, that's the wrong word. But uh, they were also without Kyle Fuller, who is a very competent slot cornerback for them. They were basically, if you – put this all on paper, or without their top three members of their secondary. And this is also a defense that's missing, like, you know, I don't know, David Ajabo, Tyus Bowser, Travis Jones. Well, David Ojabo was never on that defense, to be fair. It's not like they've ever planned for a reality where he's part of the picture. That, yeah, fair, but, like, he's probably going to play this year, which is nuts. That'd be sick. The uh, regardless, like 
the Patriots finished with an 11th best uh, defensive pass DVOA through week one uh, playing against his Dolphins team and still got like decently punished, but like played somewhat competently against them. It was technically a one score game, two score game. It was two touchdowns. But if the Ravens are missing that many members of their secondary, it's just like they have not been punished for the fact that every Tyreek Hill deep ball looks like he's tracking down a fly ball. Like it's yeah, the the joke I saw was it's a race to get to Tyreek Hill between the nearest defender and the ball. Yeah, it's we're we're playing speed here. Like this is I I can't I can't fully and this isn't gonna be like you know confirmation bias of you know Buffalo rolls into town next week and puts up three scores on them, whatever. I'm not gonna then say like, see, I told you about Miami. Like, no, but I do want to do that to anybody, exactly. Yeah, exactly. But I do want to see like, you know, how, you know, but then again, like I say this, like, okay, who's the secondary that's really gonna challenge this Miami team? After the Bills, it's at Cincinnati, at the Jets, hosting the Vikings, who by the way, look at that box score tonight. Like that's not a secondary that's going to challenge the Miami Dolphins. At the Ste- or, uh, hosting the Steelers at Detroit at Chicago, like you're starting to roll down the list now, and like maybe at the back end when you get like at 49ers at Chargers at Bills hosting Packers at Patriots, like maybe in that stretch is when you start to see some cracks. But by then, you know, the Dolphins are likely in a you know, driver's seat for a wild card slot. Like, I don't know. Like this, I, I, I do love like the vibe of this team in the sense that like McDaniel's great. Tyreek Hill's a fun interview after games. Uh, I'm happy for Tua. Like there's a lot of things I like, but I'm not ready to just say like, oh, this is the sixth best team in the AFC right now. I'm not sold either. And to tell you, like, I, we have our football outsider staff picks column that we're doing every week now. I, I put the Ravens minus three and a half as one of my picks because I just didn't believe in this Dolphins team. And I felt like a genius through three quarters. And it was one of those things where I was at work and I was doing baseball highlights. And all of a sudden I look up and it's tied. And I was like, oh my God, why do I? You know, first of all, this is why I don't gamble, but why do I just do these things to myself all the time where I buy into something that just gets blown up in such a stupid manner? But end of the end of story is I'm not there yet on Miami. I'm close. I think they are going to make the playoffs, but I don't think making the playoffs is the barometer by which I measure a team's success at this stage because everyone makes the playoffs now with the seven-team format. So – there's teams every year that make it that just kind of fizzle out immediately. If Miami wants to, you know, make some noise, win a couple playoff games, you're going to have to show me a little bit more against, you know, a few other teams. But they're they're certainly on the right path. And again, like you said, Tua, we'll talk about him more pretty soon because, you know, one of the most maligned, one of the most questioned players in the league had some good moments this weekend. I just want to put it on the record uh, that I picked the Lions and I picked the Chargers against the spread. So, 2-0. Mm. 
But it's not against the spread for the upsets, though. I mean, it's tough because you have to actually pick a team to. I did pick. Win. I did pick the Chargers for the upset, but they covered, and I'm taking it as a win. All right, take it. Whatever. Uh, <laughs> I went one and two this week in my staff picks, but I'm feeling great about the board this week, and we'll just see how it all pans out. What was However, what was, what was the other one you missed? The player prop. Yeah, Patrick yeah. Mahomes did not get 20 rushing yards because Patrick Mahomes just apparently doesn't break the pocket anymore. He just stays in there all day long. So, yeah, because the offensive line's pretty good now. Pretty good, but they're also – I mean, he's had opportunities. You you think about we'll, that play. We'll talk offensive lines. <laughs> you think about that play where he threw the sidewinder to Jarrett McKinnon for the touchdown. I feel like 2018 Pat Mahomes just takes that in himself, but he's kind of reluctant to – run downfield nowadays. Jackson, if you were if you were on Twitter at all on Monday, you would know that quarterback rushing is bad. Yeah, except Jalen Hurts just does it just all the time and is great at it. So I digress. And Josh Allen. <laughs> yeah, I whatever. Twitter knows everything though, so I don't know why I'm getting that. Game balls, please. Game balls. Let's do it. Um you want to go first? I was just do. Do we want to just talk Tua for a bit? All right, fine. Was, Let's go back to Tua. Was cool. I, I picked Tua. Tua threw six touchdowns yesterday. Did you know? Tua threw for four hundred and sixty-nine yards yesterday. Did you know? Yeah, he threw two interceptions. That happens. Honestly, if you throw six touchdowns, you're entitled to at least two in, two interceptions and still had an elite day. Tua interception. Tua, great. Um, but I, <laughs> I can't. I can't just give him this game ball. It's sort of a situation from last week where it has to split it a little bit because holy crap, Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle yesterday. We start with Hill, 11 catches, 190 yards, two touchdowns, 60-yard touchdown to tie the game. Honestly, just looks the best he's ever looked. Crazy to say, but I mean, he. I think it's the uniform scale. I think the the electric blue aqua pants situation just makes him look even faster, which is terrifying. Which is weird because red and yellow are literally the colors of the flash. They are very fast colors, but honestly, I think he looks faster in teal. I agree. Jalen Waddle, 11 catches as well. Jalen Waddle had 19 targets yesterday. Now, I know the Dolphins are throwing the ball all day long because they're down so much, but 19 targets is... Like, he is the guy that Tua's just looking for as his, you know, he's the safety net. He's I mean, he threw best. the ball. First off, he threw the ball 50 times. Like, you're good. Like, someone's going to get close to crazy numbers. But, yeah, I will this say. It's not that many, though. I mean, we talked about Flacco throwing it 59 times last week. Like, 50 yes is a lot. But I still think 19 targets is a pretty ridiculous number out of that. Like, we see at least a couple guys throw 50 times every week in the NFL. That is almost a 40% target share, so I will back off. <laughs> and he had Tyree Kill on his offense. And Mike Kosicki caught a touchdown. And you've got good running backs. Like, that's still – like, he's he's looking for Waddle out there. Um, also, if you're a defense and you get scored on by Jalen Waddle, what do you do? Like, what, how do you get mad when you see the cutest little celebration going on in front of you that you've ever seen in your entire life? What do you do? What a little scam. <laughs> um, I wish everyone out there, we're going to get 
into the video format soon, guys. We, there's there's talks going on around the TMB office. We're going to start making social content. You're going to be able to see our faces. But you just missed Kale on the Zoom cam doing the waddle. Uh, and it was very cute, Kale. So thank uh-huh. you. Your turn. Let's talk offense. Let's talk the other 20-plus point uh, comeback. We could do that. Uh, and let's talk about the only person relevant in that comeback. <laughs> Tyler Murray. So let's let's start off. The stat line isn't crazy impressive. It's 31 for 49, 277. He goes one and one. Uh, also picks up, you know, five rushes, 28 yards, another rushing touchdown. Picked up a two-point conversion as well. Uh, but I am under the impression that he is the lifeblood of the Cardinals, period. Uh He's single-handedly doing this. Uh, I don't know why Cliff Kingsbury has a job. Uh, I don't know why uh, it's – I don't know why their front office GM is still their GM. Uh, basically, I I think it was the 22nd two-point conversion that really made it settle in for me. 84 yards, Kale. He 84, yards 84 yards on that play. I am just really like the, he's the only reason to watch this team. He is the only reason until Hop comes back, obviously. Uh, and this team is, you know, still missing JJ Watt. But like, I don't know. This was the Cardinals looked dead in the water against the Chiefs last week, and I it was ready to write them off. And then they just had one of the more electric afternoons of, uh, you know. Really made that four o'clock slate uh, matter and feel like something, considering that uh, one was just sad because of the Trey Lance injury. Uh, there were two fake upsets that ended up going chalk. Uh, and I literally can't remember what the fifth game was. And I watched, oh, it was a uh, Cooper Rush winning. Uh, we'll get, we'll get to that. <laughs> we'll get to that game. Uh, but yeah, like Kyler Murray is the only reason to watch this team. I did. I will admit, he's probably like statistically more deserving. I did want to give it to Amon Ra. Like I really, I really did because that is back to back weeks. Hey, actually, he wasn't even that. Oh no, never mind. <laughs> I was looking at his rushing stats. <laughs> I was like. Two catches for 68 yards. Like that's no, wild. he just happened to break an insane long run in addition to all the catches yeah. he had. No, it was it was two carries for 68 yards, and then oh yeah, nine receptions, 116 yards. And put that rushing line in your pipe and smoke it, Derrick Henry. Amon Ra needs two carries to get what you need 44 apparently nowadays. It's um, he's unreal. Listen, he's good at football. He's really, really, really good. Uh, I agree. Like we we are probably going to do this a lot where there's two like uber deserving candidates and one of them we're probably just going to give an honorable mention because there's also like a narrative game ball that we have to hand out. Yeah, anecdotally, you have to acknowledge what Kyler Murray did on Sunday. Yeah. Just anecdotally. Also got slapped in the face by a Raiders fan, poor guy. Which is wild. I'm glad that like a legit police investigation (laughs) involved. Like that's crazy. Kyler Murray turned around and was so shocked. that I just won a football game. I didn't think I was going to be assaulted. 
his job is literally to get assaulted on the avoid. <laughs> he thought the assault was over for the day. That was literally like the, the moment you can let your guard down because you thought he was safe. Assault. Oh my god. All right. Also, somebody said yesterday on Twitter that Kyler Murray runs like a toddler who just stole his mom's phone and fair. Viewers, what's that uh what's that old vine? So like, let me see what you have in your hands. A knife! No! And it's just a baby running around with a knife. Uh, that's Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray runs like he's in Fred. He's in the Flintstones. Kyler Murray runs like they're playing yakety sacks behind him. Uh, <laughs> I could go on all day. Also, Kyler Murray yesterday was the highlight of the 2022 Oakland Athletics baseball season. So congrats for that. Defense. I'm going to go first just because I went first last time. So why not? I'm going to do – it's another kind of collective one, and it's the Jags are winning the game ball, and I had to find someone to give it to. So I'm going to give it to Rayshon Jenkins because he had four pass breakups and an interception and was kind of the primary culprit of the collective torment of Matt Ryan <laughs> that we witnessed yesterday. But I also wanted to get some shout-outs to Devin Lloyd, who had three pass breakups of his own, and also an INT. Andre Sisco, just because he went to Syracuse and he had an INT. Uh, Adam Gotsis kind of led the charge, getting three quarterback hits up front. Uh, and Trevon Walker, getting some of that early D-Roy buzz, Kale, a couple quarterback hits of his own. So just an all-around great performance by Jacksonville. If you shut somebody out, I'll find someone on your defense to give a game ball to, and that's why Rayshon Jenkins is getting one today. Literally, statistically, the third best performance by the Jacksonville defense in franchise history. So they deserve a game ball. Yeah. Uh, again, I could go statistics for my game ball. I don't know if we have like more to say there. Cause I feel like we kind of talked a lot of Jags. Yeah. The Jags are, we, we talked, the Jags are what they are. Electric. Perfect. It's teal and gold, baby. <laughs> Except yeah. not enough gold at all. Go back to the gradient helmet. It's just my arm, Jackson. The so again, this is another situation. A recency bias could tell me, uh, oh, Brian Tannehill looks so sad at the podium. <laughs> Sorry, uh, Darius Slay. Recency bias. You know, two interceptions. I think he had four or five pass breakups. Uh, I'm not going to go that. I'm going to stay in division. Uh, and this will get into my head scratcher a bit, but you know, that's that's what we like to call in the business a tease. Uh, Micah Parsons, man, oh my god, uh, I've never seen an offensive tackle uh, in a freeze frame look like they were boxing out the person that they were trying to block. Uh, Lyle Collins fully had his back turned to Micah Parsons at one point. That's how bad he got spun around. Uh, Parsons, I believe, finished the day with four tackles, all solo, two sacks, five quarterback hits, absolute force multiplier. Multiple times he kind of just went unblocked. Uh, with TJ Watt out, Micah Parsons might be the first person since Luke Keekley to win – D-Roy, Depoy, back-to-back. Uh, I don't know what kind of odds those are, but I like them right now because Micah Parsons 
might just be keeping Dallas Cowboys afloat while Dak heals up. So this is where I tip my hand. I'll probably just do this weekly now that we have the column to write. I'll reveal my lock pick of the week for next week. My lock of the week is Dallas plus two and a half against the Giants because Micah Parsons is going to do some nasty, nasty things to Daniel Jones. Things that, again, probably shouldn't be shown on broadcast television. But you look at, I mean, Cooper Rush, back-to-back years now where he wins a game as a stand-in. And I would say last year's Vikings and this year's Bengals, I mean, we've got a lot to dissect with the Bengals, but they're still defending champs. Still got to give them some form of respect, even though it's hard to after you've watched them play. And the Vikings last year were okay. So I, I don't think Cooper Rush is bad. I think he is a NFL quarterback at or above replacement level. And I think that plus Michael Parsons beats the Giants because I think the Giants are the worst 2-0 team I've ever seen, straight up. Uh, I want to preface that you don't have to give the uh, Cincinnati Bengals respect. <laughs> we'll get there. We, You're not planning to give them much respect from if I'm reading our show notes correctly, so I'll, I'll leave you to it in a minute. But uh, we got we to gotta finish up these game balls here. Uh, why don't you hit me with some special teams? Jets. Just Jets. Uh, the like that's I it's I thought I was gonna be the one to like kind of be oh like I'm being divisive by just giving a team the ball and we've done it for every section where we name like eight guys. Technically, I've named a recipient for both of my game balls so far. So if you want to just not name one, that's on you. No, I'm willing to do that for this. Yeah, that's fine. Uh, yeah, the Jets. Like, do you want to give it to Justin Hardy for uh, cover recovering a uh, onside kick, which is seems near impossible in this NFL? Yes, and- but don't do that because I'm going to break down that play, and it was not Hardy that actually made the play. What it it's was, Cooper. It's Cooper. It's Cooper on Cooper, that. and also Hardy wasn't the one who just came in and snagged it from Cooper. He just got it at the bottom of the pile. But we'll mm-hmm. get there. Okay, I'll let you talk about that. Uh, but yeah, basically, I want to collectively say the Jets because the difference in this game, net swing, is was fourteen points uh, headed into that you know what ninety second window. Uh, yeah, uh, just under two minute warning uh, when they scored the touchdown to go up seventeen thirty. Uh, fourteen, they got two touchdowns solely because of special teams. First one's the the fake punt that led to a touchdown. That was on a very early t- – I think it was her first of the game. Yeah, it was her first of the game. Fourth and two from about midfield. Brandon Mann passing it out, getting a 17-yard gain for it. Jets really sealed the deal by punching it in with a uh, Garrett Wilson touchdown uh, to open up their drive, get Garrett Wilson his first touchdown of uh, his NFL career. In his home state, that's very cool. And then just the onside kick. It's it's very rare you see both of those. Uh, I th- uh, again, I'll, I like to just repeat myself and I out myself. Uh, I won't fully, you know, I out myself in the sense that I've already written this in the FO Discord uh, on Sunday, and I won't give myself the credit of coming up with an original thought. And I will acknowledge that this is pre thought. Uh, DVOA 
if you don't know what it is, I don't know if we've ever actually explained how the formula breaks down on the pod. I don't personally know, but I know that the weight of total DVOA is four parts offense, three parts defense, one part special teams. The Jets made that one part of special teams a big slice of their pie this week, and it was absolutely the difference in Joe Flacco taking home a win in a week where Salah talked all about taking notes and checking in on disrespect, uh, brought home a really impressive comeback victory. I, like this is if the Jets don't cover their five and a half game win total this year, this is enough outside of you know, let's let's see what Zach Wilson does. But this win alone is enough for like Sala and Joe Douglas to just keep their jobs. Like that's that's how much I think this win matters. This is a win that I don't think the last three Jets coaches would be able to get. Like this is something of like Sala's motivated group to bring this home. I think it it takes a special kind of leader in that locker room to make this work and Sala's that guy. Sala's that dude. Doesn't get much higher praise than that. A man who has spent a lot of time around the New York Jets this offseason likes what he sees. Loves combined, combined eight hours in that is eight more hours than any of our listeners had. So wear it with pride. Also, you're just like pals with one of their head beat writers. So again, some stuff. Rich and I, Rich and I rub elbows. <laughs> uh, I send him books. It's it's whatever. It's fun. It's um, friendship. I'm going to do a special teams game ball for the second straight week. It's going to go to a kicker. I hope that me giving kickers a game ball is not a jinx because this week, the kicker that I gave one last week missed an extra point that cost his team the game, as it turns out. So hopefully not, but it's going to be Graham Gano because A, the Giants are 2-0, and and that's crazy. B, they don't win that game unless Graham Gano hits two 50-plus yard field goals in the fourth quarter, one of which was 56, which he's not a young guy, and it's not like he was kicking indoors. So 56 is pretty dang impressive. It was kind of brisk at the Meadowlands yesterday. I live right by it. Anyway, he used to be a Panther. He beat the Panthers. He kicked four field goals. That team wins. When you score 19 points and your kicker accounts for 13 of them, that's a good day right there. Good chance to give a kicker a special teams game ball. Can't go wrong. I do, Jackson. Can I call a quick audible and throw in? This isn't really like – I don't know the right name for this. I suppose it's just a general superlative. (laughs) Uh, But it is a – God, let me – can we sec to find the name? Do you do you know the story that came out of Detroit? Oh, do you know are we what talking, I'm talking about, about? Are we talking about the offensive guard? Yes. Yeah. Um, apparently, he's racist, according to Eric Armstead of the 49ers. So I don't know what to do because there's this great video yesterday. Thanks. Of, <laughs> it's a great video <laughs> yesterday of Lions guard Dan Skipper getting shouted out by his whole team and like. You can clearly see he's trying to hold back tears while everyone's praising him because he wasn't even supposed to be on the roster. And then Eric Armstead just quote tweets that video and says, y'all going to praise this guy who calls people the N-word during games? So now I don't know what to do because every great story just gets instantly ruined and I feel terrible. 
I'll tell it anyway because I also looked up Dan Skipper and then saw the Arik Armstead claim and then saw he also called uh, someone on Twitter the F-slur. That was also in, like, 2011, so, like, different context for that, whatever. It's slippery slope. I'm going to tell it anyway. I hate slippery slope life. We'll cross cross the bridge when we get there. I'm not rescinding honorary game balls. It's still a cool story, whatever. Uh, Dan Skipper uh, was on six teams in six seasons, had never gotten an NFL start. He was cut by the Lions in training camp. Uh, he was, a, I think he was a bit on hard knocks. I don't know. I admittedly did not watch hard knocks. Uh, he got his first ever NFL start yesterday at a position he's never played. Uh, hadn't started a guard since 2013 was the last time he had played guard. And had some pretty monstrous blocks. Campbell sends him up uh, before he even goes up. He sends Skipper up to the podium. All the guys in the locker room are chanting, skip, skip, skip. He's clearly trying to hold back tears. You know, context. I wish he didn't say it. Like, I wish I found out after the fact. But, <laughs> but you know, story in a vacuum, really heartwarming. Wanted to give him a shout out, but now it's now it's just muddy waters. So yeah, that's well. kind of the world we live in nowadays. Nothing is nothing is just nice anymore. Everything comes with a caveat, and it is what it is. You know, it's what it is. Can still be kind of a nice story, and also be this guy maybe has said some horrible racist things. That's just yikes, tough. Um, yeah. Uh, oh, so before we, speaking of head scratchers, before no, we're not doing head scratchers, and we're not even doing uniforms yet, Kale, because we're introducing our new weekly throw-in award. This award goes to the player who we're we're calling it the Nice With It Award because we had to come up with some way to memorialize your Joe Flacco piece from last week. And every week, there's going to be a guy who people hate on a lot, who think is not good at football, but you know what? He's kind of nice with it. And that's Jared Goff this week, Kale. Jared Goff beats the Washington Commanders. Probably the best game of his post-2018 Rams career. This was a guy that was just absolutely left for dead, sent off to Detroit with first-round picks, just saying, we want rid of you. And you know what? Yeah, he was only 20 of 34 for 256. But he has Amon Ross St. Brown on his team, and he threw for four touchdowns and no picks. So guess what? Jared Goff? kind of nice with it, Kale. Jared Goff literally is just living through the uh, the last bit of Breaking Bad uh, where Walter White goes from the let's, it, it's even worse because at least, you know, Walter White was in a desert in Arizona or whatever. Uh, Arizona, New Mexico, I don't know where Breaking Bad takes place. I used to be obsessed with it. Uh, but he went from L.A. to the frigid north of Detroit, Michigan, uh, and is arguably, outside of you know the expense of watching uh, the person you were traded for and the rest of your team go on to win a Super Bowl, beyond that, he's undoubtedly up there. Uh, I, you know, in terms of vibes, in terms of uh, people who respect him, in terms of general receiving core, Cooper Cup's, you know, the top of that list. 
But if you, on paper, take the rest of these guys, between Amara, Hawkinson, uh, whatever we think Jamison Williams will become, uh, like, there's a lot of fun here. I don't know. Jerry Goff, nice with it. Okay. Uh, let us do uniforms, though, because there were a lot of right answers this week, and I, I feel like we're – the problem with this bit is that we just know that teams have the best uniforms and we just can't keep giving it to them. So, first of all, right answer, Chargers-Chiefs. Like, just straight up, that, that was the best uniform game this week. Second of all, Bears-Packers Sunday Night Football. Beautiful. I gave the Bears a game ball last week, and I'd probably get into a fight with Kale about the Bears uniforms again if I tried to give him another one this no, week. No, we're okay. We're okay. Listen, the rain, the rain makes sense. There's two exceptions in, in that shit. <laughs> like, like just insane inclement weather and then also playing other teams that were relevant in the 1920s <laughs> uh, like those are the times on the uniform marks. like Bears Packers is just iconic and I don't know why they keep showing it on national television uh, it, it's truly a mystery they just they again like going back to the snuff films bit like they love just showing some unsuspecting Chicago Bears get Overized on national television over and over again by Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers has to feel so good every time he sees the Bears on a Sunday night on his schedule. He's just like, yeah, I got that one. Thanks. We're going from snuff films to humiliation kinks. Yeah. Um, anyway, my uniform game of the week is going to be one that surprised me by how much I liked it, not necessarily what I thought the just greatest looking game I saw this week was. That's going to be Ravens-Dolphins. I'm going to branch out a little bit because I had these teams middle of the pack when we did our rankings this offseason, but side by side, they looked great. Purple against Aqua. I love when one team wears white pants, the other team wears white jerseys. And, yeah, it was the Baltimore Sun surprise. Not the newspaper, just the actual sun. Uh, It looked looked great, and I – had no complaints. It was a really fun football game to watch, not just because there were 80 points scored. I'd like to throw in one, uh, maybe two more obvious, maybe three more obvious dubs. Uh, the real obvious dub is uh, Cardinals, or Cardinals, uh, Cowboys, Bengals. Uh, Didn't love the black pants from the Bengals, I'll say that. Black on black. I caught, well, I kind of liked. Those Cowboys versus the all-black Bengals, I thought it was a cool look, whatever. Uh, I think in terms of – we've kind of ruled out – we've we've set an odd precedent with uh, Chargers-Raiders just being nullified uh, because I also liked some of the division games this week. Uh, I didn't – I kind of liked San Francisco-Seattle. Uh, I think the white, because it's just the least – obnoxious uh works the best and those those san francisco uniforms are primo uh i sneaky maybe it's because i'm a sicko uh liked indy jackson uh again the whites are the least egregious for the jacksonville and the colts are iconic i'm going with a wild card i'm scared i think i told you uh Atlanta, Los Angeles (laughs) reminded me of Star Wars, (laughs) and I like it. (laughs) Oh, 
That's so bad. I, I should have known because when I saw the Rams were wearing bone this week, I knew how pleased you'd be. I don't uh, even care. I don't man. even care about the bone. Uh, blue and yellow and white versus all black and red accent. <laughs> Remind like I was I watched the Falcons come back with like Duel of Fates playing in the background. <laughs> Wild. That game was that game was IKEA versus like the old Verizon logo. That's what it was. Corporate. Why make that association? Why not like literal lightsaber colors and like you know cool shit? Why you gotta I'm swearing a lot. (laughs) What's up with you, potty mouth? Going crazy tonight. Give me a bar of soap. We've, we've kept this a nice PG podcast. I know. We're going to have to put an E on this one. Like, literally only the second or third time I've ever had to put an E on the episode. Whatever. Gosh. All Sorry. right. Sorry. Sorry, Editor Jackson. Also, now we're going to get into head scratchers, which is when I feel like we might have multiple crazy s- speech from you. I'm worried. No, I'm, I'm going to keep myself very level-headed. So uh, fudge and clean. I can't wait. Um, I want to go first, though, because I just have to get mine out of the way because it's a doozy. Uh, and yeah, it's yeah. everything. It's everything that happened to the Cleveland Browns in the final two minutes of that game. So oh, I, thought, I thought you were just going to talk about Nathaniel Hackett's employment. Oh, gosh. Well, I, I have I could do that, too. And I he was my honorable mention and they won the game and he still could have been the head scratcher any given week. Um but I'll spare him only in that I can't like I, I rewatched the final two minutes of that Browns game and they did everything wrong. Like every single play, something went wrong. And if any of them go right, they probably win that game. So I don't know if you understand the full depth of how ridiculous it was. So I'm, I'm here to enlighten you. First of all, last play before the two minute warning, they have first and 10 at the Jets 12 yard line up by seven. Nick Chubb, takes it in for a 12-yard touchdown. So if you go down inside the two-yard line there, the game is just over. You take three knees, ball game. If you go down short of the two-yard line, the Jets, at best, get the ball back with 20 seconds left down 10 because you're going to kick a field goal eventually. Instead, Can I stop you just here? Just here. It's the, the rest of the way is all yours. I get process. And we also watch, you know, speaking of Rams Falcons, we we watch some like, you know, very unique decision making in the, you know, take the intentional safety, kick the ball, like, you know, weird give up points or give up opportunities for points to, you know, ensure victory. If scoring too many points is your problem, you've got a you've got your wrong problem. Like I don't mind the practice of like going for the extra touchdown to go up 13, I guess. Uh, but I don't mind that. That's we'll get I'm to gonna, that because I'm gonna it leave is. it there. But like on principle, the rest of the way is egregious. On principle, score points. I don't like don't you know what, what who is the who is the famous Giants back that like egg dropped back into the Super Bowl? <laughs> Egg drop back in the end zone in the Super Bowl to while he was trying to not score to do the exact same thing you're talking about. I believe you're thinking of Ahmad Bradshaw. Um, I couldn't tell if it was Bradshaw or Toomer. 
Yeah, no, definitely Bradshaw. But regardless, like this is different. A, I'm not necessarily going to disagree with you because I'm about to go over all the reasons why they obviously still should have won. But the fact remains that in not every situation where you can score points to put the nail in the coffin is a situation where you can just fall on your face and put the nail in the coffin even quicker. This happened to be one of them. Like literally the game is over if you just fall down. So that's all. We talked about like a a Washington Indiana game a few years ago where the same thing happened. The guy like tried to go down short of the goal line and fell into it and they ended up losing. So this happens from time to time, but you said they went up by 13, Kale Bay. Absolutely could have gone up by 14. All Kate York had to do was make an extra point. Couldn't do it. So they're up by 13, and you're thinking, hey, there's under two minutes left in this game. That means nothing. Boy, how wrong you would be. So they kick it off to the Jets. The Jets throw a nine-yard pass inbounds, immediately burning 20 seconds. You're thinking, what are they doing? Then Corey Davis just pulls down the pants of embarrasses to heck Denzel Ward. And I'm going to go to a Twitter thread here from someone named Connor J. Hughes on Twitter, who apparently reports for SNY covering the yeah, Jets and Giants. Jetson Giants. Good for him. Not bad. Um, they baited Ward into this play all day, and it was very effective, where Moore, Elijah Moore was running these kind of deep-breaking out routes where – he was giving, getting a lot of cushion from Ward and catching the ball along the sideline when he would just kind of break in at the last minute. So Ward is seeing this all game, and he's thinking, wow, if I can just anticipate one of these, I'm going to get a pick. So Corey Davis is coming at him, and he's thinking, oh, he's going to break this off to the sideline. I'm jumping in front, getting a pick, and sealing this game. Nope, Davis just kind of turned his hips out and then just kept going forward. And it's a 66-yard touchdown, Kale. The one thing that absolutely cannot happen is a long touchdown burning absolutely no time. But you should still be good, right? Because you can still get the onside kick and then the game is still over. Because reminder, the Jets have no timeouts. Onside kick. Amari Cooper just kind of stares at this onside kick, Kale. He just kind of watches it as it's coming at him, as it's about to cross the 10-yard mark. And he's like, Nah, like I want it, but I don't really want it that bad. You know, who did want it? Jets backup corner, Will Parks. He dives on it. Ball drops to the bottom of the pile. Justin Hardy comes away with it. Your special teams game ball gets awarded and the Jets take the ball back. They still have to go 53 yards in a minute and 15. You're still going. Yeah, we're still going here. We're still scratching heads. They do that. With no timeouts, with 22 seconds to spare. So they do that easily. That includes a neutral zone infraction where the Browns just give them five yards and don't waste any time. And that includes a missed tackle on Michael Carter where he picks up a first down on second and 10 and still gets out of bounds. So the defense was bad, whatever. After the touchdown, after all this, after the Jets have gone ahead by one point because you missed an extra point, because you couldn't recover an onside kick, because your defense broke down, all these things, you get the ball back with 22 seconds left, and immediately Jacoby Brissett scrambles for 21 yards. So all of a sudden, after all this has gone wrong, you have an opportunity to get into field goal range with 12 seconds on the clock. All you need is like, 14, 15 yards, and you probably get two shots at it, and you have a timeout. 
Jacoby Brissett just doesn't see Ashton Davis lurking over the middle. Locks in on his target. Easy pick. Ball game. That's a head scratcher. <laughs> that final two minutes, all encompassed. That's how you draw a head scratcher. I don't have words. <laughs> I don't have a comment. I don't. I don't have anything. Uh, jet up. <laughs> Unbelievable stuff. That's what it takes to get Joe Flacco a win in the modern NFL in the year 2022. <sighs> He's, I mean, he's definitely playing in week three. Uh, according, you know, they want Wilson 110%, apparently. Wow. So, I mean, it makes sense, you know, but, <laughs> ooh, you know who they get next week? Tell me. Get the Bengals. They do. And, be fun. Yes. and guess what my head scratcher is? It's a good transition point. All right. What's going on, in Cincinnati, Jackson? I'd like to uh, I'd like to just quickly take some time to open up over the cap. If you're not familiar, over the cap is an ex- it exclusively covers NFL. It's not spot rack where it covers all sports. Uh, it's just it's just football. Uh, the Cincinnati Bengals, I believe spent uh, $70 million in guaranteed money uh, on their new look offensive line, and they spent a draft pick. Um, Joe Burrow was the most sacked quarterback in football last year. In the first two games, he was sacked 10 times. Just the entire MO. This Bengals team didn't have a lot to fix either. Like defense between like a lot of their mid-level guys and like getting – you know, better than expected performances out of guys like a Chidobia Wuzier or like, you know, getting a Trey Hendrickson to play at like top 10, top 12 edge rusher levels. Uh, you know, they were pretty set. The one issue is their offensive line. They go out and they have a great process, Jackson. I talked about it in season. They're not pulling on Miami. They're not, you know, getting Teron Armstead. They're not getting the guy from Dallas. Uh, I think it's Connor McGovern. I don't know. There's like so many Connor. It's like Connor McDermott, Connor McGovern. Uh, the I think the Charters have a Connor Center. A lot of offensive linemen named Connor. It's a weird. I don't know what that is. Uh, but they go out and instead of getting like let's get the top dollar guy, they still have a team to assemble. So they're like, all right, let's get a bunch of the second to third tier level guys. They're picking up former Patriots, Ted Karras. They're getting Alex Kappa in the building. They pluck Lyle Collins away from the Dallas Cowboys for a lark, for a song. He's not even, he's not even guaranteed salary this year. That's crazy. Lyle Collins came in, met Joe Burrow, and said, I'm your new bodyguard. I'm your new bodyguard. Jackson, how many sacks? Have the Bengals allowed through two games? I know this answer. However, I what's crazy about this answer is last year through two games, we were talking about the sky is falling with the Bengals, how terrible their offensive line is, and it's worse this it's year. Worse. It was the focal point of their offseason, and they have allowed 13 sacks to last year's 12. I think I just 
One three. One three. Incredible. I will say, last week the Bengals were the subject of any given Sunday, the most surprising upset in the NFL of week one. And watching the tape, the Bengals allowed seven sacks. I think Burrow threw four interceptions. He did. Four four interceptions and a fumble. Sorry. Uh, Can't leave that out. But when you watch the tape, the Steelers are running such vanilla fronts. Like, they're doing some interesting stuff in order to disguise how many blitzers they're sending, how many, you know, who's who's doing what, like, kind of hiding where the safety's rolling down. But for the most part, they're generating consistent pressure on four-man rushes. They get seven sacks. T.J. Watt looks like an animal. He's, like, kicking off the deep boy. Uh, he's kicking off the depoy repeat train. Tears his pack, but even still, like it was bad. This week, they get the reigning D. Roy in Micah Parsons, the current defensive game ball holder for Kale Clinton, the prestigious award. Uh, he, he spun bodyguard Lyle Collins around like a dreidel. Like it was. I this is this group is messing up textbook, such simple stunts, such simple twists, and they can't handle four man pressures. It's it's blowing my mind that it's this bad and the communication is this lackluster. It is so surprising to me. I I don't know if it's the offensive line coach. I don't know if it's kind of the general permeation of preseason shortening, extending into poor offensive line play combined with this much turnover and new blood at the position that it's all compounding into, you know, a lot of above average linemen playing the worst they've ever played. I also don't know and can certainly credit Joe Burrow for a lot of these sacks. Joe Burrow is a quarterback who doesn't have fantastic pocket awareness, a quarterback who wants to constantly extend plays. That being said, with the amount of capital, both draft and monetary, that you've put into this offensive line, it's like it's the same reason the Colts started off this talk for us. This was the focus of your entire offseason, and you couldn't have bungled it worse. They're on pace currently. I don't think it exists in football right now, like the possibility for this. They're on pace for 111 sacks. The record's 102 allowed by an offensive line. That's crazy. I'm just going to throw your line back at you. I don't have words. This is, uh, this is bad. <laughs> this is it's head scratchers. I I specifically like for the last year or so of us doing this formally. Head scratchers have always kind of been like, oh, here's one decision that I don't really know what happened here. Uh, we got win probability models to suggest that you could do other stuff or whatever. So I just don't get. 
Like, the, like I literally had to reinvent head scratchers f- just to talk about For the Bengals. <laughs> I don't like it's so confounding to me. They almost made it back. I I specifically told Aaron that I didn't want to write about uh the the Mets on the division. Sorry, I've got the TV on. I've got to turn that off. Uh, <laughs> they have not, by the way. They did make the playoffs. They have not won the division. Oh, that's who the T-shirt. Congrats to the Mets. Whatever. Um, it's about the Mets, baby. Let's go Mets. Uh, I specifically told Aaron I can't write about the Bengals twice because it's the exact same conversation. It's that Burrow's like – Burrow's vision also, I don't know what happened to. That's a separate conversation, but, like, he's making worse throws than he ever made last year, save the Chicago game. It's really bad. It's – I don't really get it. I don't really understand what's happening, but, like, this is not the team that won the AFC last year. And it also makes me question, you know, yeah, the playoffs, the playoff run. Yeah, like people, you know, like this is a young team without a lot of concrete tape on guys like Chase or Burrow, considering his injury as a rookie. Uh, and new offseason additions in the defense, like, oh, maybe teams weren't prepared for him. Oh, maybe the rest of the division was completely falling apart. Uh, uh, this is not the team that won the AFC last year. This is not the team that went to the Super Bowl last year. I don't know what this team is, but right now it's 0 and 2. And like we said earlier, 11% chance to make the playoffs. That's not likely. And this is a loaded, a loaded. That's the bigger problem is the AFC stacked. But I'll just remember every year year a team that starts 0-2 pretty much does make the playoffs. So I feel like they're probably the best candidate that we have because they did go to the Super Bowl last year and they do have Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase. And I think – I just want to see those guys respond. Like, I want to see them have crazy stat lines against the Jets because that's what players who are supposedly in their tier, who are supposedly of their caliber, should do, is go out and punish this Jets team that got a lucky win this week and is still just kind of figuring out who they are as a football team. But I don't know if they can. Counterpoint. If Joe Burrow's making throws like this, has worse protection than last year, and certain drop-offs in talent, whether it's, you know, now Jamar Chase is an auto CB1 cover. Uh, now you're running more, even like, you know, the Bengals responsibly made adjustments in the Steelers game. Uh, you know, they started running crossing routes with T. Higgins to beat cover two stuff that the Steelers were throwing at them. Uh, but, like, if Burrow's throwing balls like this, if he has this level of protection – it's not like the uh, uh, Cincinnati Bengals defense in 2021 was, you know, a real world beater. Like, they were fine. Like, they were good. But, you know, it wasn't something that carried their team. It was, like, serviceable. That was a 19th best defense. Also, in, in terms of DVOA, also an 18th best offense in the regular season, at least. But I don't, I don't know. I can't talk more about this line. Uh, it's it's so confounding to me that a Super Bowl caliber team would implode as bad as it has. Yeah, that's that's really all there is to say on the matter. And if they lose to the Jets, I think we're uh, we're getting out the shovels. We're turning on the toasters. Uh, it's it's getting 
getting close, but we're not there quite yet. We're going to close out the show by doing something different than we usually do to close out a show because we already saw Monday Night Football and we got to talk about it. But this week, we're going to talk about what we're excited for for next week. Just one little anecdote each. And I'll start us off with what I'm excited for. It's just the one-on-one teams going at it because I've never seen so many of them. I just counted them up. There's 19 teams right now that are one-on-one. That's absurd. There are six games next week where both teams coming into the game are one-on-one. So what do we learn? What's that going to tell us? And by the way, to get to that point, you want to talk about how the NFL just like we try to act like we know everything after week one and then it just all blows up this week teams that were one and oh went six and nine teams that were oh and one went ten and five and the best part teams that were oh and one played seven games against teams that were one and oh and the oh and one teams went five and two and one of those losses was to the bills who i don't think can lose football games so basically when this league, when you try to act like you know something about this league, this league just smacks you in the face and tells you you know nothing. So what I'm excited about is to see all these teams that we know nothing about go at it, beat up on each other, come back here and try to act like we know something about them, and then probably just get smacked in the face again the next week. It's a fun, never-ending cycle. If you could pick one of the one-on-one matchups to watch next week. Just one. What would it be? That's a good question. I have I have two, and I'm debating. So it's not Steelers Browns. I'm throwing that one out right now. Steelers Browns. I'll tell you that right now. Um, just looking through it, candidates for me, I would say Niners Broncos, but I don't know if I can watch Nathaniel Hackett coach football anymore. Uh, I think. And obviously, I'm gonna watch Pat's Ravens because I am a Patriots enthusiast. But you didn't, game, the, you, you didn't say the Niners Broncos was the night game. Yeah, oh. <laughs> that's gonna be fun. Oh. <laughs> um. By the way, though, the vibes with Jimmy G being back are kind of good with the 49ers. I don't like it. It feels it feels like kind of effed up. It is, but also like they love the guy. I don't like that they all just like pumped Jimmy up. Like the press conference with Shanahan was really sad. Like it seemed like everything was going right for uh, Lance in terms of like post game dialogue. Like Shanahan was really pumped. Uh, he was like, "Listen, Trey, you played great out there. Like we miss you, bud." Uh, the f- apparently like the first thing. Lance did when Shanahan visited him was like ask him about plays that like he had run prior, uh, and then Jackson throws in a little group chat he uh, we have with uh, me, him, and Nolan, and uh, it's just like all the 49ers like dogpiling Jimmy and like celebrating him. It was I was like oh, I don't like that. It feels gross. It's weird, but I I, I like I like it. I Listen, like this. I, I like Jimmy is, being back. Nothing has changed my Niners when the NFC West picture, but yeah, I wish that Vegas wasn't so smart about that because they're only plus one fifty right now. I wish they were like three to one. I'd, I'd grab that. Oh, yeah. um, the answer to your question, by the way, is Lions Vikings. That is the one and one matchup to watch. 
I fully, I back that. So, are you not in for the sicko game of the year? <laughs> no, what is it? Jacksonville Chargers. <laughs> I actually don't know if that is the sicko. It's game not a sicko. Now. It's not a sicko game in the in the right sense, but it's like, it's 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 messed up to pretend that these are two equal teams. <laughs> that's fair. That's that's what I'm saying is like, oh, or, so. Sicko's uh, sicko's the wrong word. I guess imposter game of the week. Yeah, because I have a sicko game of these six one and one matchups, and it's in prime time, and it's only if about two and a half days away. It's Steelers Browns in Cleveland. That's that's sick. Dude, I'm so Reset Trubisky. Gross. I'm so pumped to purposely make plans on Thursday. <laughs> I. You know what's really sick is I kind of like Steelers plus five as my upset of the week. That's what's really gross and upsetting about this is I'm kind of talking myself into that. Are the so backtrack quick? This Detroit games in Minnesota. It is. Are the Lions going to be road favorites after this Minnesota performance, or are we still thinking about like what? Uh, they did to the Packers two weeks ago. They They're opened winning. as seven point favorites. Minnesota did. The so Vikings. I, oh my God! I'm hammering. <laughs> I I imagine that after tonight, it's got to be down to like five or five and a half. But they, it opened at seven. Uh, um, that's an that's an outright dub. Yeah. That's, I, that's, thanks for thanks for finding my. <laughs> thanks uh, for writing it for you. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. I'll write the paragraph. You. You plucked the idea from my brain. <laughs> it's already been written by other writers in the FO universe. Oh, so. damn it. I hate <laughs> writing this late. It's not even late. That's the thing. People are just jumping on it. People are sniffing out the the mouse traps and, and all that fun lion stuff that we've been talking about for a year at this point. I'm sorry. I just, while we're talking about, you know, records and football teams, Fox Sports NFL just tweeted out, and by just tweeted out, I mean tweeted out an hour ago. Retweet if your team is still undefeated. <laughs> and it's Bucks, Chiefs, Bills, Eagles, Dolphins, Giants. And, and? <laughs> one of these things is not like the other. One of these things just doesn't belong. Over under Giants wins at the end of the season. Four and a half. Dude, this is a bad schedule. This is one of the easiest schedules, and it's bottom three easiest schedules in football, at least by predictive measures in preseason. I'm easily gonna say the thing about it's the not Giants, that easy to say because you can't get the words out of your mouth. The thing about the Giants is putting me to sleep. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> I think six really screws them up long term in terms of like draft capital and things like that. <laughs> Well, I'm kind of thinking six. <laughs> and that's just that's also just to cash my Giants under six and a half. Yeah, they're not winning seven, Kill. Brian Dable is the only reason Jackson two and oh. They're they're two and oh. Their next two games are against the Cooper Rush Cowboys and the Bears. And which, I've got them going 0 and 2 in those next two games. Okay. That's fine. Well, you have them going. 
but know that there is a world where they go 4-0 into Green Bay in week five. You know what? I'm kind of rooting for that because I want to see what a 4-0 Giants primetime heading into Green Bay reality looks like. (laughs) I want to hear Dan Orlovsky try to have to convince himself that the Giants are for real so they can hype up a matchup. I I want to recant what I said. They're not going into Green Bay. This game's in London. <laughs> hey, we're sending you our best this we're year. Sending our chaps. Best. <laughs> we're sending you a quarterback that is ayahuasca and the 4 0 New York Giants. <laughs> celebration of the year. We don't have an official TMB award in our awards show for celebration of the year. The Queen died for this. Yeah. I thought yeah, you were gonna say. I thought you were gonna say the only thing that could top the ayahuasca celebration is if somebody went to London and mimicked the Queen stuffing it live on international I, TV. I, I don't even know how you do that. Uh, whatever, but yeah, the ayahuasca celebration uh, rules. Uh, that was I didn't pick up on it till I thought it was like because there's been like. They've done the tea party celebration before where it's like, oh, here's a little... Yeah, and not everyone fainted. (laughs) And then everyone fainted and Aaron Rodgers had a come-to-Jesus moment. Uh, (laughs) Can we always record these past midnight? Yeah, this is absurd. Like, it's... I'm so glad we're getting videos. (laughs) Yeah, we've got to tighten up the screws a little bit, but also, like, this is really... But also, do we? Energy. Uh, Yeah, I'm not sure. Well, we'll figure it out. But my brain's not working anymore, so I think that means we actually have to end the episode. Also, it's an hour and a half at this point. But like, bring the energy, Carol. This is this is some stuff we're throwing out there. Uh, I'm gonna leave you. Can I leave you with one note? Because now I'm just scrolling Twitter uh, while I'd like to look for more things. Uh, the next thing that came up after uh, that little graphic is a picture of the Kirk Cousins pass chart for tonight. Uh, Just to remind our listeners, uh, Kirk Cousins uh, finished tonight's game uh, 27 for 46 for 221 passing yards, a touchdown and three interceptions. Uh, Jackson, would you like to guess uh, what his uh, breakdown was on passes uh, beyond 20 yards? Go one for nine with two interceptions. Oh, for one. <laughs> he didn't throw it out. <laughs> <laughs> no, Kirk. He we also. Known, we should have known when he lit it up week one and then came out to his presser in the yellow short sleeve plaid shirt and jeans that this was not a new leaf for Kirk this year. There also. Uh, he has three misses behind the line of scrimmage. <laughs> uh, there is a cluster on the uh, left side around the line of scrimmage with one, two, three, four, five, six passes all in a little bunch. Uh, inside, I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna do this live, and this is probably bad audio, but he was one for one, two for two, three for three, four for four, five for five, six, six. Seven, seven, seven of eight, uh, eight of nine. That's seven, seven of nine, eight of ten, nine of eleven, nine of twelve, nine of thirteen, 
10 of 14, uh, 11 of 15. Now you're just listening to me count 12 of, uh, 12 of 16, 13 of 17, uh, 14 of 18, uh, 15 of 19, 15 of 20, 17 of 22 on passes inside the five yard line or behind it. Uh, so 17 of his 27 completions came inside five yards. I don't have much to add. It's not good. Uh, this was someone's NFL MVP pick. Multiple people's on NFL. Not Netflix. to mention, not to mention Nick Adams in USA's NFL MVP pick because he wants to root for an America first quarterback like Kirk Cousins. And by the way, speaking of America first Kirk Cousins, there was a Fox News article about Kirk Cousins getting blasted on social media today. Why? Don't really know. They don't usually dip their toe into the sports world over at Fox News, but somebody just made a compilation on the website of all the mean tweets Kirk Cousins got tonight for the fans. Because he grills his steaks in aluminum foil. He really does. Um, Last thing, last, last, last thing. Um, Listeners, I think we finally found Kale's crush in the NFL because – as we were recording this episode, to our group chat with Nolan Hughes, Kale sent a picture of one Jalen Hurts, who he first called Jalen Mills, but corrected himself and said, yo, Jalen Hurts, not Mills, great looking guy. The all black suit, the fresh lineup, the goatee, ooh-wee. <laughs> uh, full disclosure, uh, while Jackson was breaking down the Cleveland Browns two minute one, I started watching TV. Saw Jalen Mills. Was like, dude, he looks good in that press conference. Went over to YouTube where that was being played live. Screenshot <laughs> it and sent it to Jackson while he was talking. And I wanted to see if he'd look at it live. But admittedly, Jalen Hurts looks good. He's a good-looking dude. You're clean-looking guy. All right. Tune in next week to find out who my quarterback crush is. Other than that, thank you all for listening. Tuesday Morning Blitz is now brought to you by the FO News Show, so go listen to that on Wednesday. That's not an official sponsorship, but I just wanted to throw that out there. If you're listening to this, go watch that. Go blow up our written pieces. Go follow Kale on Twitter. Follow me on Twitter. And let's just take this thing to the moon, friends. Hey, you want you want me to give you a real plug, Jackson? Just real quick. Yeah. If if you're interested in football outsiders, we have no affiliate outside of both of us. Me actually being a staff writer there, Jackson co-hosting a show there, hosting a show there. We don't have any affiliation with this. We probably don't even have clearance to do this. However, <laughs> would like to just throw out. That if you guys want 10% off an FO Plus subscription, if you're interested in hearing about all these DVOA numbers, if you're interested in getting in, really getting your hands dirty in the wealth of stats that we're throwing out, you can go to footballoutsiders.com and use promo code FO News in all caps. 
and get a nice little 10% discount off Football Outsiders. You get a little cut your way, Jackson and I get a little cut our way, and it helps everyone get a little bit better. A little bit smarter. A little bit smarter, a little bit better at football. A little bit more handsome, a little bit more Jalen Hurts, if I do say so. A little bit more bread in my pocket means I can clean up this face a little bit. <laughs> and then we look great for video. We're getting there. All right. It's 1241 AM. We're going to bed. But thank you all so much for listening. Can't wait to tell you what's on the horizon for the Tuesday morning blitz. But for now, he's Kale and I am Jackson. And we will see you next Tuesday. See you.